Listeners are advised, this podcast contains spoilers. Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcasts. Welcome to the Potterston Tales, the one and only podcast devoted to the Toniston Tales. My name is Aaron Ware, I am the author and the host for this. Before I start, I apologise for that theme. I uh, do not compose music, but I thought I'm going to give it a crack here and let's see how this pans out. And it turns out it was terrible, but that's fine. So I gave it a go. Anyways... Uh, and also, a disclaimer, I didn't really want to be hosting this podcast, because who wants to uh, talk about their own work? Uh, not only that, but who can really go to somebody and say, hey, would you like to sit there in a microphone and talk about my work for half an hour, an hour, or whatever, an episode? Yeah, so here I am, basically. I'm not going to really talk about it, though. I'm going to read it, because the... Uh, work speaks for itself and I guess every now and then I'll undoubtedly stop and have something to say about what I was trying to say at the time or if I think I came across as ridiculous or whatnot so I'm going to read it as it is and uh, basically I'm going to be the harshest judge of my own work that I possibly can so without further ado I guess I shall start with the prologue. The prologue was actually added just this year it was originally written for book three, but I thought, hmm, this makes a much better opening to the series than how we had originally, or how I had originally. I am one person, not four. Anyways, so, with a tinkle of music... <laughs> the Tunniston Tales, by Aaron Ware. Prologue. Picking up the light blue phone receiver next to the king-size bed, the wife presses a small red button with the barely legible words Room Service printed next to it in faded black ink. She twirls the long curly cord through her unnecessarily sharp bright pink nails as she frequently does with her equally curly hair when deep in thought. Yes, hello, I'd like two bottles of non-alcoholic wine. Yes, the same as last night. Thank you. Bladder cheese, uh, two fruit salads. Uh, yes, sure. A plate of sandwiches? Egg and lettuce is fine. Thank you. Oh, oh, and a picnic blanket if you have one. Fantastic. Yes, yes. Oh, the one across the road. It is, yes. Taking advantage of the sun while it lasts. Thank you kindly. Click. The wife drops the handset back on the receiver, reaches for her trusty liquid sanitizer, and sits on the edge of the bed. Rubbing the cold, thin liquid into her slightly swollen hands, she looks down at her belly and sighs. It kicks. I hear you. Oof, I feel you too. She places her hand over the spot where her unborn child kicked, where the child repeatedly kicks, the same spot every time. Move over, will ya? 
She lays back on the tightly made bed and stares thoughtlessly up at the faux marble ceiling above her. In the past five years, she has gotten used to these executive suites and penthouses, but the further along her pregnancy gets, the less she's feeling the need to take advantage of the travel benefits that come with her husband's work. She'll just have to trust him out on the road without her. She reaches her right arm out to the side, smacking the digital alarm clock. It switches on. The wife is well practiced at this manoeuvre. The 90s boy band ballad rents the air. She sings along. Not her usual genre, but this one's okay. She said a hundred times about a hundred songs that weren't her thing. As we all have, don't lie. I wanted the- Ow, come on, bubba. She sits up again, slouching her shoulders. Sweaty and tired, the wife lifts herself up with a grunt onto her swollen ankles, scuffling towards the bathroom. The bright lights blind her momentarily as they hit the sparkling clean white tiles that adorn the floors and run midway up the light pink walls. Turning on the high-pressure shower, she locks the door behind her before lazily disrobing her third shower today. Meanwhile, a knock on the door, followed by a room service, goes unanswered. Several seconds later, another knock is followed by a kachok. A short, cheerful Cambodian lady of around 30 enters, the handle of her narrow, multi-shelved trolley pressing up against her pristine red uniform. Listening to the sounds of the occupant singing one of her own favourite songs, from within the shower behind the closed door, she lifts three UFO-like silver dishes and a folded-up blanket from the trolley and places them on the desk with a giggle to herself. Singing along quietly, the room service attendant checks to ensure the order matches the thin folded-up slip before she grabs the trolley and quietly exits the room backwards, leaving the occupant to finish the song as a solo. Thirty minutes and ten wrinkled fingers later, the wife steps out of the bathroom surrounded by steam and looking like a pop diva at a concert. Combing her long hair to one side, she glances over at the room service order. Her tummy rumbles, albeit not from the fetus growing inside of her for a change. Placing the hair-riddled brush on the desk, she flips the first lid. Sandwiches. Yum. She takes a bite of one triangular quarter, then places it back on the plate and lowers the lid again. Kachok. The door behind her swings open. A smile takes over her freshly cleaned face. She twirls around to greet her husband. You're back early, she states while swallowing her tiny mouthful of egg sandwich and placing the gold chain around her damp, glistening neck. The necklace containing her usual assortment of rings, which are sadly now benched due to swelling. All done. The husband removes his sunglasses. His hazel eyes squint in the sudden harshness of the sunny room. So we can go back home? The wife asks hopefully as she picks up the hairbrush to continue to maintain her damp curls. Nope, not till Friday at the earliest. We want to get as much laid down as we can before we move on to LA. Oh, what's this? Did you or the staff have the munchies while I've been gone? He holds up the pre-bitten sandwich. There's a park across the road. I thought we could have a picnic. I'm sick of room service. Where did you get all this from? He asks, then answers along with his wife. Room service? Oh, shut up. You know what I mean. The wife, taking herself far too seriously, approaches the floor-to-wall mirror, which she had been avoiding all day, to continue her hours-long process of preparing for a dinner date. I'll jump in the shower then. The husband takes off his shirt as he enters the bathroom to begin his minutes-long process. Good idea. I can smell you from here. I've got to blend in with you, don't I? He replies. You're hilarious. The wife rolls her eyes affectionately. While the early autumn sun lowers itself over downtown Cleveland, the husband and wife make their way across the busy road to a small park filled with locals passing through. Half appear to have just clocked off for the day, 
the remaining patrons quite clearly attending the Monday night football match at the nearby stadium. Great. I didn't think it would be this busy. The wife moans under her breath, heard only by her husband, who understands. We can go back if you want. Eat on the balcony? We're out now. Might as well. She glances up at a large bronze statue and reads the engraving in the stone plinth. Commodore Oliver Hazard Perry. Neither party acknowledge the war hero any further once the husband finds a quiet spot under a large tree. What did you order? Sandwiches, cheese and fruit. Romantic. He teases with a smile. No steaks? I was craving cheese and carbs. She shrugs while taking out the picnic blanket, grabbing two corners and letting it unfold in midair. It silently lands on the soft grass, trapping an orange butterfly underneath. As the non-alcoholic wine flows and the platters of food dwindle down to nothing but crumbs, the wife chews a lingering American herring gull, making its presence known with several short, loud, screeching demands. You know, the baby will be doing that to us soon. The husband cracks wise. You better get used to it. That's why I have you. She doesn't smile, despite her frivolity. Do you want to go to the game? They both glance at a family of football fans. The face-painted children screaming with laughter as their father mimics the professional players with the essence of a drunk clown. With fools like that? I can't think of anything worse. He lies with a slight scoff. She notices her husband's eyes turn slightly, from hopeful to disappointed. Despite being only a minor change, when you've been so close to somebody for over a decade, you get used to reading them, know what to look for. She feels slightly bad, but nowhere near as foul as she'd feel after three hours in a stadium filled with screaming fans. Not in her present state, at least. You can watch the game while I read the Lousseau sequel, she smiles, revealing a piece of lettuce stuck in her teeth. Her husband cherishes this moment of vulnerability from his highly pampered wife before letting her know it's wedged in between her cheek. Shifting her weight onto her right arm, her hand presses down onto the grass and sadly the butterfly beneath it. Spotting the human's odd behaviour, the eager seagull hops forward several paces before flocking backwards with a shriek as an unknown object is thrown at it, what the human who threw it would call a plastic wine glass. Stupid feather rat, go on, get out! The man freezes mid-sentence. Everything turns red for both husband and wife, and nobody else. The gull watches in rapturous delight as a bright red light rises up like a snake from the blanket beneath the female human. Sensing a prime opportunity, the seagull flocks forward, its beak stretched out towards the remaining crumbs left over by the suddenly frozen humans. And then, as if they never existed, all three disappear as the light recoils into the blanket with a long, loud <coughs> heard only by the nearby gulls, sparrows, and squirrels occupying the many trees of Fort Huntington Park. Okay, and that's the, uh, the prologue to the series. I, uh, I won't read on in this first episode, I'll make it as short as I can. And uh, uh, what can I unpack from that? Um, well, the funny thing about this chapter, uh, for one thing you might notice there were no character names mentioned, given that it was at the start of book three. I wanted there to be a sense of mystery for the readers. Uh, by then, you've had two books with Toniston. Uh, we've met his mother, haven't really met the father, we haven't heard the father, even though he's a musician. Uh, I can't give away too much, obviously. So I thought, well, let's 
Let's be a little bit tricky here and name the characters the husband and the wife and let the readers connect the dots. I don't need to spell things out to a, a reader. I don't think it's an author's job to bash them over the head and, you know, make things really obvious, nor do I think one should be terribly sentimental the further along in their series they get, because I, I feel personally that I sound wanky if I do that, so I find I cut a lot of sentimental stuff out. Uh, but the funniest thing I find, personally, which is more of a little in-joke to myself, I uh, sort of thought, well, where would this scene be set? And I sort of sat here and I thought, what's, what's one movie where there's been a scene near or in a park that made me punch the air, that got me so excited about cinema, even though I'm the art of cinema, I absolutely love. Uh, so that cancelled out a lot of um, mostly CGI films, like Nothing in Space or anything like that. Uh, there is one particular film that has a killer, absolute killer action sequence right outside a park, and I am talking about Captain America, The Winter Soldier, which I know you're going to go, oh, that's all CGI, that's got CGI in it. However, yes, there are a hell of a lot of stunts in that scene, in that f film in general. But in that particular scene, where they shot that in downtown Cleveland, right near the stadium, there's a, a Hilton Hotel, I think it's the Hilton, I'm not sure, I, d I couldn't, didn't want to name it in, in the uh, prologue, um... But that scene when the Winter Soldier is revealed and you've got, it starts off on the highway and the guy gets ripped out of the car and it, it's, I remember when I first watched that and I was sitting right in front of my tally, my television, uh, my TV, and I was so excited by just that one scene. Oh, the whole movie was great. The whole The whole movie was fantastic. It's, it's still one of my favourite, if not my absolute favourite Marvel movie overall. However, that one particular scene, I wanted to honour uh, and, you know, look, every author, I'm going to be straight up, every author dreams. They sit there and they, they when they read their own work back, they picture the movie version in their heads. So if it could be anywhere, if I get to visit anywhere in the world that a movie was shot, I'm going to one day, hopefully, get to go to that park and just take a photo of myself there and say, Oh my god! Just for the sake of it. Like, I'm a total nerd, uh, you know, and I, I went to Hawaii and I toured lost locations because I'm so obsessed with that television show. Still am, ten years later. It's been out of my life, and six years ago, I decided to go to those locations. <laughs> uh, so it really should not surprise anybody at all who knows me, who knows about my fantastic lost holiday. I deliberately set this scene, this all-important prologue, in a park where I could get that satisfaction, that nerd satisfaction, out of it. Uh, I don't think there is anything else. I, I, I really did try to be very, very careful with the language in here that in this particular prologue, 
in terms of how I'm describing the characters because they are called the husband and wife and I know that writers out there tend to oh sorry readers out there if a character is not described to a T they tend to see themselves in a character and I tested this out on a couple of people with this chapter and uh, people of different nationalities and said who do you picture these characters as and every single person said they pictured them as as who they were and that was very very important to this mysterious opening because it was to set up the very very start to to mislead the audience in in that respect until the very last moments when the uh they accidentally kill the butterfly because then obviously you're thinking what the hell who were these people because these aren't the people i thought they were because obviously if being in book three it reads a lot differently you you immediately presumed these are toniston's parents that's why i worded it like that that's why i didn't describe them because i wanted the people to think oh these are toniston's parents we're finally we're seeing before toniston was born and then that happens. So it leaves the reader thinking, oh, shit, what just happened? Where to next? And uh, that was very important at the start of book three. But now that, you know, all three books are together in one, finally, after 14 years of developing this story, I can hold it all as one amazing compilation. Um, well, I think it's amazing. It's probably mediocre but that's absolutely fine uh i gave it a crack didn't i um that's not easy that's 120,000 words or something so in the whole book but anyways uh i'm going to round up because this is going to be about 20 minutes long so far and uh i want to also before i i round up i want to say this uh will be posted as somewhat of a uh preview for the blooming league of original podcasts as you heard at the very start which was my voice tampered with and then i just lowered it or something i don't know it was completely ridiculous it was three o'clock in the morning i have no idea i'm trying to do everything ourselves so that we don't have to uh use free stuff that is often not too good anyways so at least if we make it ourselves and it's not that good we can laugh about it because it's terrible uh, however, our shows are going to be great. We've got some musical theatre, we've got some metal, we've got some television stuff. Obviously, we've got our, our anchor here with the, the Potterston Tales. And um, yeah, we're uh, hopefully going to uh, unravel some more shows in the next few weeks. So as of tomorrow, which is Friday the 13th of November, look out on thetonistontales.com forward slash podcasts as we launch. It's very exciting. It's been in the, uh, the works for quite some time now. I've been working with people from all over the world and all over the country. Anyways, so before I go ruining this, take care and see you next episode.